Hello to all of our listeners and welcome to TNT ESQ. Along with my co-host Reese Thomas, I'm Teresa Quinlan, and we make up the TNT. Our mission is to explode the status quo. This series is all about talking with people who are helping us to think differently so we can start doing differently. Uh, our guest today is Alison Fisher, one of the most loved people in my network on this platform, star of numerous podcasts and interviews, a trained ballet dancer in her youth, tool by design is one of my favorite hashtags. Um, her you. Fun Fact Fridays are a stalwart for uh, all our dreary Friday afternoons. She gets us pumped up and sharing some hilarious home truths, help us all make it through to the weekend. Uh, Alison has 20 plus years experience in the corporate world going toe-to-toe with some of America's elite in the boardroom, but she's equally comfortable and commanding in her own home life. Proud mother of two girls, she's also passionate about giving back to her community, especially working with local kids to try to teach them some of her core beliefs and values to better empower them to live fulfilling and resilient lives. Uh, there are many subjects that we could talk about with you today, Alison. Um, resilience, gratitude, transparency, um, transformational leadership itself, and uh, your epic acronym uh, which uh, we all know so well if you don't that stands for empathy presence intention and connection is that right it does and i'm stealing that bio reese that was good yeah Yeah. Uh, look we're so excited to have you on the show today allison thank you for being here um thanks to both of you explode the status quo on empowering leadership and give some of our listeners food for thought on this vital subject fantastic so kickoff question we ask everyone um, we're saying this is your obsession, you're obsessed with empowerment, the empowerment of your team, your daughters, your community, uh, your LinkedIn family, and yourself, right? So, so yes. tell us, where, where does this come from? I would say there's two, maybe two or three catalysts. So I've been in corporate my whole life. My company started off, you know, as a startup, and we were growing and hustling and bustling and, you know, growing financially, growing with people, growing with management. And then as a lot of startups do, we sort of plateaued and became more of a corporate type of environment. We settled, we had rules, we sort of got a handbook, you know, a lot of the things that happen with startups as they start to sort of settle into a more corporate environment. And with that comes changes, some great changes and some changes that maybe you don't agree with necessarily when you're in leadership. And as you start to rise in that corporate ladder, as I did, things shift, your mindset shifts. You start to develop who you are, who you want to become. And this started for me in my 20s. Um, I was really pretty lucky that I started to rise and grow as a C-level executive in my 20s. Um, You know, you start to see things that maybe are not in alignment with your values. And I think that's where the leadership piece of the EPIC acronym sort of came into play and where the empowerment of your employees and also leadership. I see things on both sides of the aisle. I think it's important that leaders do a great job and I think it's important that employees feel empowered to sort of take charge of their own lives. And on, on the personal side of my life, I've had some struggles in my life, as I think most people do. I don't think anyone is exempt from that. 
came from a pretty abusive relationship. It was emotionally abusive. It was unstable. It was just unhealthy. I was in the relationship for quite some time. It was maybe, and about 10 years ago, it turned violent. He was an abusive, actually is an abusive alcoholic. We have our two beautiful girls, but I came home one day and he was extremely drunk. It was not the first time that he was drunk, but it was more drunk than he had ever been. I was hit that night, broke my nose, broke my face, and also hit my daughter, my one-year-old by default. Didn't mean to hit her, but you know, she was just a victim. In that moment, I decided that the relationship was going to be no more. You know, I had sort of been planning for that financially mm-hmm. um, and emotionally even before that event happened. And then sometimes it just takes something, like an actual trigger, in order for you to really move. I want to really share that experience in graphic detail, if I have to, with other women, mm-hmm. to have them understand that this face is also the face of abuse. It can be middle class, sea level, white. You know, I think there's a lot of stigma that comes along with Um, physical abuse. I'm not looking to be a martyr by any means. I just think that if you have a story to tell, it's important to put it out into the world because you can help empower others to find their own strength, to find their own voice. I do it when it comes to work. I do it when it comes to parenting my kids and how I've really tried to shape them to be the best little humans. There are a lot of things I do in my life that I think are worth just sort of putting out into the world to help empower others. Everybody has experiences that help shape who they are. And if you're comfortable sharing it, there's always someone out there that might Mm -hmm. be experiencing something similar and you'll help them feel like they're not alone. And that's probably the, we've talked about this before on the show, the the biggest value to having things like podcasts, the biggest uh, value to having things like a platform, the biggest value is telling your story so that you can influence, impact, help other people in any way, shape or form. So one of the things that you had talked about that's fairly consistent within your, your life story is you had enough at some point you had had enough and you knew that you were planning towards this potential moment of either I've had enough or I'm moving on. And, and I'm sure that this shows up in corporate as well, right? Where yeah. you just think, Nope, that's not going to happen. I'm preparing myself to have the next step, the next conversation, whatever is necessary. So I'm wondering if like, I'm thinking it's your source power. There's something that exists within you that is the source for this power move you're about to make and I'm wondering if you could describe maybe a little bit about what was yours how how did you quote unquote find it relative to the relationship specifically or just in general you think just in general because that's I believe the maybe the pivot point of empowerment yeah so um I believe we all have superpowers right I think if you um I think everybody should ask themselves the question maybe two questions what are your values and what are your superpowers I think it's okay to talk about yourself. I think a lot of people don't want to talk about themselves because they think they're being selfish. I think you have to take a deep dive into who you are. What do you believe? What makes you special? What makes you strong? What makes you unique? And what do you believe that you will not compromise? Mm. People ask on LinkedIn, it's like one of the biggest questions and it's so hard. I don't know if you guys have done this exercise. 
people say, what are your two top values? I'm like, two? I'm like, oh, I can't pick just two. Two is like impossible. I've got like 20. I think I always land on um, honesty and integrity. And it's funny, if you ask me a week ago, maybe I would have picked two other ones, but maybe I always come back to honesty and integrity. So I don't know, don't hold me to that. If you guys look at like a past article or, or a comment or something, I don't know. I just wrote them um, down, so they must be real. Yeah, but <laughs> honest, oh, or maybe honesty and loyalty, freedom, family, like those are, those are my values. If someone breaks trust for me, if someone is not honest in their own core, if they're not thoughtful, if they're not kind, it goes against who I am and it makes it very difficult for me to be around them consistently. Mm-hmm. So that's the same whether you're in a relationship, whether you're at work, mm-hmm. whether you're in your community, whether it's your friend group, it's pollution and it winds up hurting you as a person. And at some point you realize you can't tolerate that in your life anymore. If those values are important to you and if you understand what those values are to you. And that's why I think everybody should ask themselves, what do you stand for? And what are you willing to tolerate? And what are you not willing to tolerate? Everybody compromises on things in life. You know, not not everything can be totally black and white. People compromise in marriage. You can't find someone that's perfect. You can't find the perfect job. Even when you work for yourself, you have to compromise. You compromise with your clients. You compromise with your business partner. You have to travel when you don't want to. You have to leave your children. There's always going to be compromises, but I think that there are core things you really cannot compromise on. And it's the same with your superpowers. I think everyone should ask themselves, what are my superpowers? And for me, it is resilience. It's in my DNA. You know, Reese had mentioned in the beginning that I, um, I was a ballerina for most of my life. Mm-hmm. Maybe it played a role. I was not a very good ballerina. Um, I was not a competitive dancer by any means, but it teaches you um, a sense of camaraderie. It teaches you passion. It teaches you discipline. You have to get dressed the same. You have to be very, very disciplined. Mm-hmm. And I knew that I wasn't going anywhere. I was very self-aware even back then. But it taught me that women can be graceful and strong. And that's what I wanted. I wanted to be, and I carried that even into my job. I believe that women can be beautiful and graceful and still kick ass in business meetings. You can find a happy medium. You can, I can still have a firm handshake. I can still go into a meeting with work the room, command the room, not be aggressive, you know, find that happy medium. My parents were not very observant. And I noticed that pretty early on. They were loving. So they were not intentional with their decisions with me. They didn't really notice what I liked, what I didn't like. It was just go to high school, go to college, didn't know what I wanted to do. It was like the biggest waste of money. They didn't really get to know me. And that's why I parent my children the way that I do, because I don't want to repeat that cycle of my children not feeling like I'm present and intentional in their lives. I was also bullied, really bullied. And this is before the age of social media, way before the age of social media. I'm in my 40s. And I always, I was never depressed, never suicidal. I just always found a way to sort of like tuck it in and get through it. And that's why I think that resilience is my superpower, but I didn't know that at the time. I don't think I knew that until probably in high school. So I think it takes some self-reflection, some self-awareness, and then using that to your advantage as you get older. You know, it doesn't have to be resilience. It could be 
fierceness. It could be strength. It could be, I mean, everybody has something working for them. I like the, a small distinction. And Norris, you want to ask a question here, but I just wanted to point out a small distinction is that you said, you know, people need maybe two things. One, understand their values, and then two, their superpowers. And then just as you were describing values, you said their core values might be the ticket to getting it down to two yeah. instead of maybe having five, six, or seven. Yeah, Although, yeah. Because, you know, when you look at the list of what are all of my values, oh, it's, it's there's going to be a lot of them and there can be a lot of them. And then what are my core values, the non-negotiables that when I meet people and they operate in conflict to those values, yeah. and I have a difficult time being around them, right? And sometimes we have people like that in our lives where we have that experience of, I don't know what it is. I can't put my finger on it, but I just, there's something about them I just don't like. I have learned to interpret as that they behave in ways that are against my core values. And so that creates that type of conflict. Reese? I think it goes with EQ. I know that you talk a lot yeah, about EQ. And to me, yeah. it is really EQ. I think that um, mm -hmm. maybe, it's a, maybe it's a term that a lot of people are not as familiar with. Are you self-aware enough to understand what your own faults are? And do you like them? Mm. You know, do you want to fix yourself? And do some of the things that you do go against what you think your values are? Because mm -hmm. that's possible too. Mm -hmm. I mean, you could think that loyalty is like your top value and you're, you constantly betray people. Right. I think when people talk about setting intentions, I try to set my intentions every day. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. They think it's this like grandiose thing. It doesn't have to be that grandiose. It's just, you know, it's like little goals. It's just setting little goals for the day on what you want to do, how, what you want to achieve. And don't beat yourself up if you don't meet those intentions. It's great to um, ha have those Catch goals. Give yourself a break. That, yeah. yeah, give yourself a break. Yeah, exactly. So let's just go back to the empowerment thing. It was great listening to your story there. You were talking about your corporate thing, then you went back to your relationship thing, then you went back to your ballet. It's interesting for me to hear the, the chronology of how your empowerment uh, began how it mm -hmm. what, which which uh, which factor empowered the next one was it the work uh, aspect that taught you the empowerment because you had a, uh, a need to compete um, in that arena to attain those next levels was it the relationship and the breakdown of the relationship that forced you to be even more empowered you are now you know a single parent you're now totally responsible must be a lot of pressure but also must be very empowering to then be in that position and then you and then you talked about your ballet talked about your school i'm still going back to this first question like where did it where did it really come from did one did did it did everything just build on top and top and top yes um, so it did not come to me probably until about five years ago until i realized what i my true sort of calling was my calling is not to be in corporate my calling is to empower others, specifically women, but not restricted to women, to find their voices in their corporate jobs, in their lives, in their families, in their relationships, to find value in their lives, to stand tall in who they are, to be their best selves, to find their confidence, to not be silenced. That is my, my true calling. I do that, not necessarily through coaching, which I think is what makes me a little bit different. I do it more through advising. I use my own personal experience through having all of those years 
dealing with Fortune 500s and dealing with corporate and dealing with sort of straddling both sides of the aisle, whether it's corporate and coaching employees and tapping into the experiences that I have as a single parent with the experiences that I've had um, growing up, I, I became more self-aware. And I think that was sort of the trigger for me. I mean, maybe that's the answer to your question. As I sort of got older, the pieces of the puzzle started to sort of come together for me about family, how my family shaped me, how ballet shaped me, how my job was shaping me, how my relationship was shaping me, and how all of those pieces shaped my values, how, my, how I was truly a resilient, confident, strong person who was not just shoving down these um, and suppressing these things that were happening to me, but that I was overcoming them as they were happening. A lot of people get past things that happen, like abuse or difficulty at work or challenges in their family or their household or you know things that might have happened in their past, but then they bubble up when they get older. I am not broken by anything that has happened to me. With the exception of the last couple of months where I've struggled with some really severe depression by something that totally knocked me off my feet and I'd never suffered like this before. And I didn't know what to do with it because mm -hmm. here I am in my forties suffering from some really severe trauma. And I've always been able to, to work through those things. And I've never had any of those things impact me negatively. This thing that happened to me this year um, really like put me into a whirlwind and I didn't know what to do about it. And I'm, you know, I'm coming out of it now, but it took a lot of work. I really sort of isolated myself. So that was, that really did sort of throw, it just knocked the wind out of me. But yeah, I think it was, it's the culmination. It mm -hmm. was the culmination of me realizing that my story was important and then talking about it and being self-aware of all of those little pieces and how they've played into my personal story and what they've added to my life so that I know now what's important to me and how I want to pay that forward and help others, you know, sort of benefit from not, not maybe falling into some of the same traps. Yeah. Women specifically, especially when it comes to relationships, do what I did in my relationship. They make excuses for their abusive spouses. It's what we do. I've had this conversation with hundreds of women and I'm saying then you need to start valuing yourself. I have two questions of that for you. So one of them is that resiliency is founded a lot within optimism. So believing that despite what might be going on around you, and even despite setbacks, yeah. that you have a positive outlook on the outcome and you also have the capability of impacting a positive outcome. Yeah. So do you believe that you are an optimistic person? I do, and I, I think it's rooted in gratitude. Mm. which is why this past year was so hard for me because I lost, I lost all sense of gratitude in my life. Yeah. And I was like, how is this possible? I, you know, people would say, but you have your health. And I was like, but I don't really have my health because I do have lupus and stress and lack of sleep causes lupus to flare up. Mm -hmm. So when you're under extreme stress, you get sick mm -hmm. and then you get sick and then you don't sleep. So they're like, at least, you know, you have your kids 
And I'm like, yeah, I have my girls and they're wonderful, but my girls are actually being impacted by this event in my life too. Mm-hmm. And they're like, okay, well, at least you have your job. And I'm like, okay, well, I have my paycheck. I'm like, but there's things, you know, so like I was always, I always came back with like a, yeah, but yeah, but, and in the past I was able to see the positive in everything. So I was like, okay, yeah. So even if my job is not perfect, I'm grateful that I have a house, I have food, my girls are happy. Um, you know, I can still find joy in my life despite some of the things that are not perfect. Mm-hmm. No, nothing is perfect. You always, you strive to be better. Yeah. And I, gratitude was big. I would take walks every morning with my dog and that's what we would do. I would look at the, uh, the, the sky, the morning sky as the sun was rising. I would sort of walk in silence. Like there was no one on the end. It's calm. Mm-hmm. I would smell the air and just look at the sky and enjoy the earth and just run through what I was grateful for. And once that changed and that was stolen from me, because I really felt like it was sort of stolen from me with this event, my life changed. Mm-hmm. So I talk a lot about gratitude. I think that having gratitude in your life helps to ground you and makes you stronger. Yeah. Mindset of abundance and yes. that it does require an optimistic mind as well. Yeah. Right. So the, the second part of my question is related to the recent trauma. Yeah. Oftentimes I will discuss with people now. Okay. So you tell and you help other people by telling your story. Yeah. So what, what do you believe might be the possibility within this trauma happening for you so that you can help other people to an even greater extent? So I did two I don't talk about the specifics of this one. Um, At some point, I know that I will. This is really the only thing for me, strangely, considering how vocal I have been about everything else in my life. And maybe it's just because it's too raw. I I really don't know. I have found that there were two things I did not do when this happened to me. And when I posted about it originally, about the depression and the sadness that I felt, I did it because people were coming to me. They thought I had died. Mm. which was really sad for me. I mean, they were coming to me on my, my personal cell phone. They were coming to me through DMs and they said, are you sick? Do you have cancer? Are you alive? I mean, they were really concerned because I had dropped off. Like Reese had said, I mean, I'm pretty active on the platform, you know, and I, I'm friends with people that I had never met. I mean, I've met some of my best friends on the platform and I had really isolated myself and separated myself from everybody. And I'm not that type of person by nature. Mm -hmm. So I felt sort of this drive to post what had been going on in the most vulnerable way I knew how without, you know, giving too much detail, but, you know, really being honest with my emotions and then really just telling people that, you know, obviously everybody feels this way at some point in their life and you're really not alone. The outpouring of support was just unbelievable. I mean, LinkedIn is a great place as you guys know, so I don't, I don't really need to go there, but, but I did two things that I would say I wouldn't have done. And when you're in the thick of it, you don't know any better, but I isolated myself. Isolation causes depression to be that much worse. I didn't want to talk to people, even my closest friends who were great. They called me every day just to say, okay, even if you don't want to talk today, I'm just calling to check on you. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yep, don't want to talk today. And I would be like, today sucks. Today's another day that sucks. And I felt like a burden. 
I didn't want to always be like Debbie Downer, you know, like I didn't want to be the one that for six months straight, all I was doing was saying, yeah, today is horrible. I don't want to get up today. Like who wants to hear that crap when everybody else has their own problems going on? You know, I did not, cause I've never been a burden to anybody else's life. I always been the one that you could call to rely on. And I felt like a fraud, you know, that is, that was so hard for me. You know, here I am talking about positivity and gratitude and how I help others empower their lives. And I'm like wallowing in death, not wanting to get out of bed. I felt like I'm not able to practice my own life's work Mm -hmm. for 40 something years because something else comes into my life and affects me so greatly. I was like, it's horrible. So number one, I would not, do not isolate. I mean, find your person Mm -hmm. and let that person in. I don't care whether you have to force yourself, let that person into your life and just start talking. And that really is what shifted my whole mindset. So I posted a follow-up video and that's basically what I said. I did two things. I started talking. um, And the moment I started talking, Mm -hmm. it's like the weight was lifted. And I'm not even talking about specifics. Like you don't even have to talk about the details of what's going on. You just have to let people into your life and the light starts coming back. And the other thing I did was I got out. <laughs> like I, I started going to events again. I just started doing interviews again. And I started realizing like, I'm still here. Mm-hmm. I am still the exact same person. This was just an event in my life like all of the other events in my life. This was no different than me being hit. This is no different than me being bullied. This was no different than me having to take charge of my kid's life when I had, when I was a single mother, literally overnight. You know, no different than any of the other circumstances that have happened to me in my life. Mm-hmm. This one just hit home differently for me. Maybe I was in a different mindset. Maybe it's because there are a lot of other little things that are also going on in my life. And maybe it was just too overwhelming but it's the first and only time I've ever isolated. And I have better friends in my life today than I ever have. And I excluded them. Uh, And maybe it's on the friends, uh, to be honest, maybe it's on the friends because, um, to be a little bit more uh, persistent. Is that what you mean? Maybe. Yeah. Like maybe it's up to them to come to your house. Right. When they see you in that situation to be able to say, all right, we've given you your minute because I agree. Sometimes you have life events that happen that of course you have to say, and for those who are listening, I'm going to do it in quotations. I need a minute, right? So we're, we're not practicing our gratitude. We're not going outside. Sometimes we're not showering. We're not doing all of these things that we know are really healthy for us because we need a minute. Let yourself be sad. Mm-hmm. Um, I was not in bed under the covers, like taking a leave of absence. I was just like crying all night. Mm-hmm. I'd set my alarm clock. My kids were like, what the hell is wrong with you? Like it was affecting them. The the incident was affecting them. And then my mindset was affecting them, which I knew, which was also really hard because they'd never seen me like that before. But I'd get up every day. I'd go to work every day. I would, I was still highly functioning, which a lot of people are when they go through depression, which is why I talk a lot about mental well-being now, because I think that that employers need to do a much better job at not prejudging. Just because your employers are going through something, don't presume that they can't be highly functioning. Right. You can still go to work and kick ass. 
you're not going to embarrass your company. You're not going to embarrass your clients. You're still going to do a great job, but maybe you need a little time to get yourself together in the morning. <laughs> you know, maybe I need an extra half hour because I haven't slept, but yeah, your friends come to the house. Don't just be on the phone, like come to the house, get my clothes on, get me out of my house and like, get me to talk even if I don't want to. Yeah, you need to empower them just in the same way that you need to empower yourself. And also you're talking about your leadership uh, work. You need to not just empower your team, but you also need to empower your, your leaders. You know, they need to understand where you're coming from. They need to respect that you need that flexibility. You need yeah. to have that balance. And I think um, you were talking about your um, the gratitude there. And Teresa, was, I think she touched on it saying that obviously at the time these things are terrible, but... Uh, with hindsight on the way on the reflection you'll see that all these little pin all these moments in your life have actually helped you take that next step you've gone up you've gone you've empowered you and you know maybe this 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 latest one was particularly difficult for you for whatever reason um if people are watching this and they're in a similar situation you talked about communication and and you're so right i mean depression is is kind of like anger turned inwards isn't it it's kind of like silence is the, the absolute worst thing you can do you you're isolating yourself you're not sharing you're bottling everything up you just keep building this story in your head and it's going bigger and bigger and the downward spiral is going further and further but as soon as you release that cork, as soon as you have the opportunity to talk with a friend or a stranger it doesn't have to be you know a coach it could be your boss it could be you know someone in the in the coffee shop anyone you have that release and that is what has helped you go back to the old Alison, go back to that self-empowered, the, um, the Alison who knows self-awareness, who knows self-reflection, who knows all these things, all the little things in her life has taught her all these important uh, skills and lessons. And you will be able to <clears throat> put, put, the, put the trauma aside and focus on all of those factors. So yeah. if people yeah, are watching... Exactly. I mean, I... I have a post coming maybe this week sometime about talking about um, if you really think about just how the smallest of interactions can impact somebody's life. I mean, you mentioned the coffee shop, for instance. If you're in a coffee shop and you see someone just sitting there and they look a little bit you know, down on their luck, I mean, you never know what somebody is going through in their life. There could be one just one conversation that you have with someone that can totally change the trajectory of somebody's life. Oh yeah, exactly. Um, it could be at school with you know a student and another student interacting with each other, and you might find out twenty years later yeah. that brief interaction that you had with them saved their life. Yeah, I mean, you just never know if someone's going to be down on their luck in a coffee shop trying to prep for their next job interview. And that little interaction that you have with them gave them the boost to get the job. Exactly, yeah. Having joy in your heart and, and, and you're having that loving kindness just spreading it. I mean, people talk about having the negative things and how that's affected their the whole trajectory of their lives. But I love that your point, and I can't wait to read this post, that you flip that totally and it's a, a, a positive, a small positive thing can equally have such a huge um, impact on your on you know the trajectory of your life so that's a really good um message to include there so thank you for that i know that we're pushed for time now so probably Teresa has a question for you oh yeah i do i have this um you know empowerment is twofold it can come from the external 
So it can be the power or authority given to someone to do something. And then it also comes from the internal. It's the process of becoming stronger. It's the process of growing more confident, especially in your own life, in claiming your own rights, in claiming whatever your path or vision is going to be. So we think about this because you've got 20 plus years in corporate mm -hmm. and you've got 40 plus years in life experience, in life. right? That's a lot, that's a lot of experience me. happening. And this is really what your focus is on is helping people find their voice. So if we, if we put this in the context of leadership for a minute, and we just think about, you know, the environments that we find our, our employees, our leaders, our workplaces in right now, empowerment may not, whether it's power given, empowerment given, or empowerment from within doesn't really seem to be existing. And yeah. places are not really sustainable when these things uh, don't happen. So do you have like a golden gem nugget of how people find it either internally, and maybe this has to do with the self-awareness piece, and how leaders give it away more freely? I think self-awareness is the key to the kingdom. I think leaders need to be more self-aware as to how they are treating their employees, as to how they're impacting morale, as to how employees are at the, at the core of everything mm. without employee buy-in, without employee happiness, without employee loyalty, you will have no client loyalty. You will have no long-term sustainability. And I think that leadership is too often quick to blame the employee, blame the client, blame something external. And they do not take a hard look at themselves and say, what am I doing to contribute to the environment of the company? How do you make people more self-aware? I, I don't know. I think I'd be rich if I had that. <laughs> I mean, I think that's where leadership consultants come in. You know, I think that if you're a really good leader and you're having some problems at your company and you don't know how to solve them, you hire someone to come in and reassess. But not everybody is doing it. If employers and leaders had empathy and presence and intention and connection, every interaction that they had, not only with their clients, because they're very client focused, right? Like, oh, we need sure. to be client focused and client focused. I don't care if you're a B2B or if you're a B2C. Everything starts with your people. <clears throat> Everything. Your people run your business. If your people are not happy and your people do not feel valued, then they are not going to treat your clients well, which means you are not going to be profitable. Mm -hmm. And your employees can try. And I think this is the hard part because I think if you're in a large corporation, a lot of companies will tell you that you can almost have an employee uprising to change the corporate culture. I would agree with that to some extent. You can create employee groups to put forth certain proposals to leadership teams. When you're in a smaller company, I think that's much harder. I think it might be easier at larger corporations to create those smaller groups and then to start it from the bottom up. But if you don't have leadership buy-in and it's not from the top down, where everybody at the higher echelons believe that this is the type of environment that we want to have, we're going to be transparent, we're going to value everybody's opinion. Everyone's going to have a seat at the table no matter what level they're at. You're not going to have happy employees and you're not going to have happy clients. And something needs to change. There's a lot of talk about it. I mean, you can hear it on LinkedIn. 
the whole human to human connection, um, people focused. I don't think that corporations are really ready to do it yet. No, I think no. they see it as a cost. I'm like, it costs you nothing. Yeah. Cost you nothing, nothing. True. And their fear of potentially people finding their own voice and speaking it in ways that help them to elevate, yeah. right? So the sustainability of workplaces yeah. going forward is to be able to help their employees find their voice, be empowered, because it, it just helps the collective and helps the whole. This has yeah. been really incredible conversation from your the sharing of your story. There's so much value in us being able to reflect and connect with your story in our own, see ourselves in your story. That's probably my favorite thing about when people are so willing and transparent to share their story is that everyone who gets to listen gets to be able to say, oh, I felt that way before too. Oh, I've been that way before too. And then to be able to share a couple of really critical gems, uh, find your values, make sure you know what they are, especially your yeah. values, the non-negotiables, right? Yeah. Identify your superpowers and then to minimize what you're saying is like, just go for it. Like grab life by the horns and go for it. Yeah. So thank you so much for thank all, you. all of your wisdom, all of your heart, all of your energy this morning. And, and for our audience listening, if you want to know more, you can certainly connect with Allison Fisher. It's F-I-S-C-H-E-R. It is. And one Ellen Allison. Yes. That's right. One Ellen Allison. Um, and so to end our show, Allison, we like to do a rapid fire Q&A yeah. each of our guests. It's Bring it on. Pretty straightforward. So you're ready? Here we go. First the sentence is um, manager or leader? Oh, leader. Active or reactive? Active. Black and white or gray? <laughs> Maybe black and white. No one's going to like the answer to that one. That's okay. I'm also a black and white. <laughs> yeah. I just posted an article yesterday on how my parenting style is very black and white. Yeah. So yeah. A lot, black and white sometimes. Yeah. Okay. Optimist or realist? Sometimes I'm, I'm, I'm a pragmatist. I feel like I'm a pragmatist most of the time. I don't think it contradicts what we talked about before though, you know, as far as being, have, having gratitude. I think you can have gratitude and still be a pragmatist. Yes, more than one thing can live in the same space. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Canada or England? Uh, oh, my British clients. Okay, I'm gonna go with Canada because I've got so many Woo! beautiful Canadian friends. I'm going with Canada. <laughs> Sorry, Reese. Finally, one for Canada. <laughs> yeah, we had to get one, didn't we? That's yeah. the one. No, I, you know, I'm going to have to text my, oh my God, like what am, my, oh, my best, best friend is, oh, go, no, I'm going with Canada today. I'm going with Canada. Yeah. Okay. okay. Heart or head? Oh, heart. Empathy or assertiveness? Shit, those are, that sucks. <laughs> um, oh, I'm going with assertiveness today. Introvert or extrovert? Oh, extrovert. Logical or emotional? Logical. And to round it out, innovation or process? Process. Oh, our goes with my pragmatism. Yes, that's right. <laughs> thank you, thank you again so much. Thank, thank you. you. Yes. Thank you for having me. I, I'm really, I'm honored and blessed to have been with you today. To our audience, yeah. enjoy your day. We'll see you on our next episode of TNTESQ. Hey. Thanks for joining us on this episode of TNT ESQ with myself, Teresa Quinlan, and my co-host, Reese Thomas. It was a pleasure having you stop in and listen. Until next time, keep challenging the status quo.